Welcome to this week's podcast from Suncoast Church. We hope that this message inspires you and helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey, uh, my name's Brendan. I'm one of the guys from around here. Um, who's into sports here? Who has had the worst weekend like me watching the Boomers, the Lions, the Broncos, I don't know, the Lightning? Ah, oh, just been a rough week. And who doesn't care about sport? And you're having a great weekend. I envy you right now. It would be good not to... Manchester United lost as well earlier, didn't they? Oh, did you win? Oh, oh you came back and won. All right, well, it was good for you. Man City lost. Uh, well, despite all of that, uh, despite how terrible the sporting weekend has been, we can still have a good night uh, at church together. We're into part two of, uh, of the series, uh, What God is Like. Uh, Pastor Jonathan kicked it off last week and, you know, began to sort of clear that space and ask the question, your, your thoughts about God, who God is to you, where did they come from? Like, what was it that, that built that picture in your mind? And then beyond that, I mean, how do you get a picture of God? It's quite difficult because if God is like this um, being that is like beyond our reach, what, like what's the point of reference and how do we, how do we figure that out? Well, I have a, uh, a message tonight, a sermon, and it's called The Shepherd. Uh, and I would like us to take a look at this tonight and see what we can find from a really famous passage in the Bible. Let me start before we get there with a quote. And it goes like this. We tend by a secret law of the soul to move towards a mental image of God. We tend by a secret law of the soul to move towards, to become like a mental image of God. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Let me rephrase. What comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. It's an interesting question, isn't it? Um, you know, the way we arrive at our mental picture of God. I mean, there's a lot of life that goes into that um, from what we experience as children, what you might find from other Christians that you might know, your experience of church, maybe parents, maybe negative experiences, the trauma. Um, you know, and, and we, we all get there at some point to this idea of what God is. Maybe for you, um, you're not a church person. You, you know, this is either really new to you or maybe you haven't been particularly interested in this question until this point. But I'm telling you, for all of us, it is really, really important, not just because it's a mental exercise, but because what you think about when you think about God it will actually change you as a person. You will become like the God that comes into your mind. And as, as Pastor Jono said last week, the picture that you and I have may not be, may not be right. We may, you, we may have like totally missed it. So if I was, let's say, to give you a blank sheet of paper and say to you, hey, you got 10 minutes right now, here's a pencil, here's a piece of paper, start writing the stuff down. Like start like just getting your thoughts of what God is like, the picture in your mind. How, what would you begin to put down uh, on that piece of paper? Well, it might depend. I mean, maybe you would be a good Christian. And I'm going to start putting all the things that I know I should put down, like God is loving and you know, God is kind and, and all these things. But then you know, maybe a few lines into it, we would have to start um, you know, be getting quite honest about it and start to think about some of the things that, that really we do think about God. Maybe God feels quiet. Maybe God feels distant. Uh, maybe God seems disappointed in me, right? 
I mean, there could be all sorts of things that when, it, when push comes to shove and we get to the honest part, not the answers that we rehearse, not the answers that we, we know you should give, let's say, about God, but what you really, really think about God. What are they? What are they and where did they come from? They're, and as I said, so, so much of life leads into this. And, and even I, I think about, for me, what I think about God, not all of it's coming from the Bible. Maybe only a, a, a portion of that's coming from the Bible. Our, our life experiences, who we grow up with, the church that we're part of. And, and for many people, it can be extremely negative. I've had such a negative experience of God that the things that might fill up that paper, arguably the most important things about us, what we put on that paper, um, may be so far off the mark. And so what I want to do tonight is I would love for you to get an eraser out on the, in, in your mind uh, and, and just, and, and like we're talking figuratively here, and because um, no one carries erasers these days, unfortunately, uh, and, uh, and, and just let's just erase that paper for a minute. Let's go into the next 20 minutes. That's all it's going to take with a blank piece of paper. And I just want us to put a few things down to answer the question, what is God like? Arguably the most important thing about you. What can we put on this blank piece of paper? And in order to do that, I want to go to a, a famous story in the Bible. It comes from Luke uh, in the 15th chapter. And, uh, and it, goes, it goes something like this. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Right? Tax collectors and sinners. Let's stop. Um, the, the tax, we're not talking about the ATO here. Tax collectors at this point were, uh, were, were Jewish citizens um, who had actually become traitors to their own kind. They had sided with the occupying Roman uh, government, Roman Empire, and they were extracting money from brothers and sisters and giving it to the Romans and taking a cut for themselves. So these were the worst of the worst. So Jesus is here with these tax collectors, horrible people, everyone says, uh, and, and sinners as well. I guess that's a catch-all phrase. Um, and so they were gathering around to hear Jesus. So he's not in church right now. He's well out of church at this point. Uh, and Well, he's out of the temple, I guess you could say. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, so these are the religious folks. So you've got a pretty eclectic bunch here. You've got the people who are, would never be ever caught in church and the people who would never be caught with this group. So this really weird gathering of people. Um, they start saying, this man, Jesus, welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them this story. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep, everyone say a hundred sheep, and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, for I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents or, or turns towards God than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Right, so there's a story that Jesus tells to help these people understand really what God is like, and he uses this shepherd. So let's start here. Point number one, we look at the shepherd, and, and even if you were to go to the very start of the Bible, you, you may have heard the opening phrase of the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So the first thing I want to put on this piece of paper is that God is a creator, God the creator. Now, you're probably going to look at that, and maybe if you've been around for a while, like, okay, cool, simple point, let's skip straight past this one, we all get this one, let's, let's move on to the more interesting ones, but hold your horses, right? We've got 20 minutes to fill, I don't want to go move on past this one, um, and I don't have that much stuff to say. So, um, God the Creator, 
this is actually a really important point to make. You see, in the Christian belief system that God is described as being separate from creation, that there is a creator and creation. In like a pantheistic worldview, God and creation are one. All is divine, and we are all essentially um, you know, d- divine or part of the, the essence of the divine. But in the, the Christian belief system, God is different than that. And if that is the case, then it, God is more than just a creator. God is intentional. God speaks, right? So in order to create, God speaks. He intends. He has purpose. He is powerful. He is beyond um, space, time, and matter. Uh, And this God has has given a structure and an order to the way things are. God has created. Who here um, is a big fan of tax, taxation, paying taxes? Who has got a job and then started looking at their pay slip and gone, oh my goodness, did you see that? Like there is the people are taking money out of what is supposed to be my money, right? This ridiculous thing. Well, let me tell you where we got taxation from, right? Uh, An anthropologist, someone who studies the, the history of humanity would tell you that tribal groups, people who are in a tribal setting, when one tribe became more dominant or more powerful than another around it and wanted to start expanding, they would actually start um, pu- pulling resources like you know, livestock or grain or whatever it might be from other tribes around them. And they would set someone in to you know, violently enforce this, but start extracting the wealth of other tribes so that they could grow. And this is how we got our modern day tax, a series of uh, oppressive moves of certain people to give us our, our taxation system that we live with now. All right, let me tell you another story. An anthropologist would tell you that our taxation system actually came from when, when, tribal, when people were in tribal groups, they realized that were they to pull their, their resources together, their livestock, their grain, their wealth together, they were actually far more able to, to withstand nature and all that nature threw at them by cooperating together. And as tribes cooperated, they became more powerful. And that is actually the foundation for how we got our tax. Right? So which story is it? Right? I'm not even going to tell you. I don't even know the answer. I'll go find someone who, uh, who um, ask um, you know, Mrs. Hines over here. She'll be able to, she's a school teacher and she teaches history. She might know. But the, the point I'm trying to make is that depending on the origin depending on the origin, you will look at your tax in a different way. If the origin of taxation is that it was an oppressive, oppressive domineering move, you're going to be like, this, this sucks. Why am I getting taxed? This is a, you're oppressing me, government, right? But if you, if you were to take the origin as this um, mode of cooperation, you may be able to put a positive spin on it and go, oh, well, you know, health system and, you know, welfare and roads and whatnot. And maybe you could look at taxation and think, I suppose it's our nation cooperating, pooling resources so that we can have education and the kind of things that we do, right? And so it is with God. Because if, if you are the product of, of just a pitiless indifference of the universe over time, time plus matter plus chance, that all it is, you are not a created being with purpose, with structure, with order, with intention. But the Bible describes you that describes you as the creation of God, that you, because you are created, are made with purpose, that you are called, that you are entrusted with a calling in your life, and that there is an order and structure to your life. And you'll see on this next slide that if God is our creator, then I am made on purpose, that I am called and I am created. And in, I'm creative because I'm also made in God's image with a divine spark. What comes to mind when you think about God 
It's the most important thing about you. And we could easily start here. I mean, think about it. In a world that is trying to deconstruct everything, deconstruct gender, deconstruct sexuality, deconstruct family, deconstruct morality, deconstruct spirituality, deconstruct everything away to nothing, in a world that is doing that, you know, we are becoming increasingly consumed in this vacuum of meaninglessness. And trying to find meaning anymore has become a really hard task. And guess what happens to a world that does not have meaning? sit on our phones, stupefying ourselves with distractions, right? I mean, you see, I mean, there are plenty more, plenty more than just that, but, in, but this is, I think it's, it's, it's an epidemic of our time, an epidemic of meaninglessness as the world is being deconstructed. But the Christian faith is not so. That the, the truth is that there is a God who has created yeah. this universe, who has created you, who knows you and built you on purpose with meaning. Point number one, that God... Is a creator. Cool? Point number two. So let's go, to that, go back to the shepherd story. Um, so not only was there the shepherd that owned the sheep, if you think about it in the, in the story in this way, uh, if you were to ask my wife about me, one of the attributes she would not describe me as is observance. Right? I'm not particularly an uh, observant guy. Like, I'm like, hey, like, do you, is this a new haircut? And they're like, no, no, it's not a new haircut. I've like literally had this hair for six months now or something like that. That's the kind of comment that I would make, right? So and when I think about it, if I had 100 sheep and you took one of them away, I'm guessing it was probably about six, 12 months before I realized that there, I'm down to 99 now. And, and probably the more I think about it, I think you have to take about 20, like maybe 20 sheep away before I look at a, a group of sheep and think like, hey, it looks a bit light on over there. I think there's some, some gone or something like this, right? But what we look at when we look at this story is this shepherd that knows the sheep and knows them. And so much so notices when one, just when one sheep is gone. You see, not only is, is, is God a creator, but God is, is personal. And in the Bible, God, you know, God is progressively revealed through the Bible. In the first part of the Bible, God is revealed as the creator, as the Lord, as the king of the universe. And you could just stop there. You could stop there and go no further to what you might. And many religions and belief systems may stop with a God just like that. But the Bible goes further and describes that God is actually a father. That God is relational that God is personal, that God is interested in humanity. And out of all of his creation, um, what was his interest? It wasn't in the stars and the heavens. It wasn't in the mountains. It wasn't in the earth. It wasn't in the animals. It was in humanity. He was interested in people, so much so that he began to make promises with, with people, with Abraham, with the Jewish people. God began to, uh, began to actually make covenants uh, with his people because God cares. God is relational. And if you, um, if you begin to think about that, if God is relational, what does that mean for us? It means that you and I are made, number one, to connect, we're made to, to love, to be loved, and, and we're made to know God. Now, the Bible tells us that in the, in the beginning, in the, the earliest part of the relationship between God and humanity, that there was a fracturing, that Adam and Eve uh, in, in, in disobedience, fractured the relationship with God and they fractured the relationship with each other. And, and, and our existence is, is in the shadow of that fracturing. 
That's where we live our lives. And it's not the end of the story, right? It's not the end of the story at all. It's just the beginning. But our existence is, is in this fracturing of, the, of our, our relationship with God and a fracturing of relationship with one another. But if you and I are, are not only created by a creator God, if our God is a father, what does that mean about us? that you and I will never be fully fulfilled until we connect with our Father in heaven. That we will never be complete, as it were, a God-shaped hole, some people put it that way, within us until we find that connection with our Father in heaven. And that beyond that, you and I are are created. I mean, the Bible even even said, God said it, it is not good for man to be alone. It's, it's clear bad things happen in isolation that you and I, um, even the most introverted of, of people, right, still desire connection, still often introvert. I actually found introverts um, desire the deepest connection, right? They desire real, true, deep connection. It's not that they despise people. Often it's they despise shallowness. They, they actually desire depth. And that God has created you that way. He's created me and all of us to connect, to know the love of God, to know the love of our Father, and to know the love of one another. So if, I think that the symptom that we see of loneliness, I think like, you know, what we see um, by and large at present, the epidemic, I would say, of loneliness, to go with an epidemic of meaninglessness, I really do see that, I think is exacerbated by social media. I think it's one of the, the, harsh, the harsh ironies of our time is the interconnectedness and the, and the loneliness that we see at the same time, like this, the pseudo-connection, the pseudo-relationship. You know, um, but, but truly, you know, there's a lot of good wisdom in the Bible about that, about knowing God as your your true security as your father is the one who is primarily the one um, that loves you. But also this idea that you and I are connected and have intimacy with other people in true friendship. That's what church is for. That's what small groups are for. That's what the Bible uh, you know, commands us to do in loving one another and living together uh, in community because you and I are made by a relational God to be relational beings. So the first thing is God is a creator. And secondly, God is a father. But then we have this shepherd. So this shepherd not only owns the sheep, not only is there in charge of the sheep, not only is this shepherd willing to um, be so relational and so intentional that he has identified a single sheep, a single sheep, right? Like, like you or me, like you, you in your chair right now, God knows you, God sees you, cares about you. But beyond that, he goes and rescues the sheep. He saves the sheep. I, um, I can't say that I would necessarily be like that. I actually tend to think that if I had 100 sheep and one went missing, I'd be like, we still got 99. Um, you know, we're, we're ahead, really. Like, I think we're doing good. And if we get a couple of lambs, like, we're going to be in surplus pretty soon. Um, so this is why no one gives me a job as a shepherd, right? Because I keep admitting all these the faults, right? God's not like that. God not only identifies the individual sheep, he, he goes out he goes out after it, goes searching until he finds the sheep which was lost. You see, the Christian faith at the, at the core of it and the nature of our God is not like it. There are, are, are religious belief systems that the, they recognize this fracturing. They recognize the gap between God and us. They recognize that. 
And what they put in, what it puts in front of us is as a pattern of behavior or thinking or prayer or meditation or giving or something like this to bridge that gap, to take us up to God. That if you were to act morally, if you were to pray so much, give so much, do this, attend that, that you could bridge your way up to God, that you could, you could make it up there. The Christian faith is the reverse of that, that God, in seeing the sheep that had gone astray, He came down to earth, that He came to rescue us. The good news of the Christian faith is not that there are 99 sheep somewhere in a paddock that you can go find your way back to if you pull yourself together. That's not the good news. That, that is harsh news. The good news is that there is a shepherd who will not stop until he finds you, until he finds every single lost sheep that there is. And believe me, you and I are all sheep, or you are all a lost sheep at some point in our lives. We are all belong as that, that sheep that is lost. Maybe you feel like it right now. Maybe you, you have at a time in the past. But I, I'm telling you that God sees you. He knows you. He cares for you. And if you were to feel in some way forgotten, like the, the sheep that's been forgotten, that God, he has not forgotten you. And there is a shepherd who will not stop until he finds you. The good news is that it is not about cleaning yourself up. It's not about going, okay, I need to get unstuck. You know, I need to shed something and I need to find my way back, right? It's, it's the reverse. The shepherd will come and get you and bring you back, right? Something that, that he does, not of ourselves. But God's the Savior. God is self-sacrificing, selfless, completely loving, completely generous, and completely humble. But what would that mean about us, right? It would mean two things um, in, in a major sense. Number one, that I am a sinner. And number two, that I am restored. Interesting, double, it's a double-sided coin. Like You've got to look at it this way. I am a sinner. That's a really severe indictment on all of us to be, to be but that is, that is the belief of the Christian faith, that we all fall short. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. There's a famous prof prophecy in the Bible that we, like sheep, have gone astray and, and disobeyed God, that there is a darkness on our hearts. There is something that is separating. But that's not the end of the story. That, that fracturing is not the end of the picture. The end of the picture is that there is a shepherd that comes and saves you, that Jesus Christ came to the earth as God, and he, he died on the cross on our behalf for our sin. But not only did he die, he rose again from the dead. And you and I can experience the victory that he won in rising again um, from the dead. I know it sounds kind of crazy, but it's absolutely true. And that you can experience what it is to know the love and power and victory of God in heaven. It's absolutely there for you. And it's not about finding your way back. It's literally about saying yes. It's about saying yes, that you can both be a, a, a you can say, I, I've been a sinner. I've walked away, but that's not the end of my story. That's not the end of the story. That you can have healing for brokenness, that you, that you could have forgiveness for sin, that you could have restoration of hurt and of pain, that you could have shame and fear removed from you, that you could have hope in despair, that you could have peace in storms, that your calling could be restored, that lost time could be made up and could be redeemed, right? This, the, the end, your story is not, being, is not finished yet. It's still being written and God is there waiting to write the next chapter right with you. He rescues us. He is the good shepherd. 
But what is God like? He's a creator. He's created you on purpose. He has given you a calling. He has entrusted you with his calling. But not only that, God is a father. He's relational. He wants to know you. He cares about you and he sees you. It's the God of the Bible. And then beyond that, not only does he know you, not only does he care about you, but he came down to you to rescue you, to bring you home to him. Not so, he's not off in heaven saying, hey, you know, work your way up to me. He came, he came to us. He came to you. What comes to mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. And, and I think these three things are a really good place to start with that. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by what you heard and inspired to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au. Hope you can join us again on the next podcast or here at Suncoast Church.